This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Morning, y'all. How's it going? Hey. Um, well, Charlie, thanks for saying a little bit about me earlier. Um, if, if you're new, maybe you haven't seen my face. Um, my name's Stephen. I'm our family minister here at Austin Life. And normally it's Corey's thing to say a sermon before he starts a sermon. Um, but I'm going to steal it. Um, we were singing that song about the worthiness of Jesus and uh, the reasons why, the bridge, right? Because he's like our author, he's our maker, our, rans- our rescue, our savior, our ransom. And it's like, I, I heard all those and it just reminded me like my mom uh, FaceTime me. I don't know if you're listening to this. I don't think she knows I'm preaching this morning. It's probably not. Um, but we were talking and uh, we were just kind of chatting about a couple different things. And then we got on to talk about just... I mean, there's, there's so much good news, like, right in the world, right? Like, if, like we're hearing about revivals happening all across campuses. Like, I'm speaking at a, a student retreat this weekend, and we're going to read the whole book of John with these students. And that uh, my, the student pastor was like, ah, oh, there'll probably only be, like, maybe five, ten kids at his church. And he's got, like, 25 kids signed up. They're like, oh, we're going to read a whole book of the Bible. Let's do it. Like, there's a lot of really cool, exciting things happening across the world. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of, like, tough things. And, uh... There's a story of just recently at the end of last week of a mother who had killed a handful of her kids because of a scenario that happened in their home. And there's all these sorts of different tough things between her friends and my friends that are going on. And my mom's like, that's one thing I just like don't understand about humanity is why like people who don't deserve things get them. And I was like, yeah, it's tough. And, and I think a lot of times when she was hurt, she was like, that's one thing that's hard for me, sorry if I'm giving this away your personal life, mom, but it was like, she was like, like when those things happen, it's like, God, like, why? I don't, I don't understand it. And, and, but as we stood here and we sang and preparing to hear what's like, what God's, I think, going to show us through Second John is um, his worthiness and goodness. And because he is our rescue and because he is our savior, um, like, just his worthiness for us to, like, keep that really sacred. Um, so I, I think it's by no accident my mom, like, FaceTime me instead of calling me, and then we got off or off key. I think, I think the Lord was kind of preparing us for something this morning. Um, before we open our text, though, I do have a question. Corey, time over. Steven's back in session now. Um, any board game fans? Let's take a drastic shift out there. Um, okay, which one of you board game fans are, like, real nerds? Like, you're not just playing Monopoly. Okay, so like some D&D, are there D&D people in here? I see, yeah, I have some, I, I haven't. I have some friends who are D&D people. Okay, well, sorry. I was just talking, that shows how ignorant I am. Okay, well, what about this example? Any Catan fans out there? There should be a lot more hands to that one. That one's, yeah, okay, a lot of Catan. Um, so you like playing Catan? Does anybody just like, like playing it? Yeah? I guarantee you would not like playing with me. Right? Why? Well, let me explain the game of Catan for you. There's about a third of the hands raised. It's a board game, and there's a bunch of hexagons connected to each other that, like, give you tools to build things. You've got rock, iron, you've got wood, you've got wheat, and you can, like, build up this kingdom. So when you get enough of certain things, you can build roads and build cities and then villages. I don't know how it works exactly. Like I said, you wouldn't like playing with me. But essentially, you have to build like the largest kingdom. And there's extra points if you have like a really long road that connects all your kingdoms and all sort of stuff. I don't try to build a big kingdom. 
I try to stop the person who's winning. <laughs> y'all, have y'all played with that person before? Right? Who like, they, oh, that's you. Oh, so you're that guy. Sweet. We would be great to be in a game together because no one would succeed. But it's like if I see someone's like clearly making a path, they're trying to get some iron, they're trying to build up to the northwest region of the board, I just randomly place roads everywhere I can to stop them from being able to do that. I find joy. It's so awesome, right? Or did you say awful? Awesome. Yeah, dude, I love it. I like, I don't, I'm not a competitive human. Hey, Nate, I just saw you back there. Uh, I don't know why I said that. I was just, anyway, I'm not a competitive person. I don't care about like winning games. Like I find more joy in watching my competitive friends like under their breath, you know, right? Like that, that gets me going. I know I've succeeded in the game whenever my friends are failing, right? So most Catan players, unless you're Nathan, um, aren't going to like playing with me, right? Um, and it's important for us to remember that concept when we open up Second John and we read through what's happening, especially one uh, piece of advice or commandment John gives to the audience is, is like my mindset of playing Catan, I think is really gonna help us out. So if you will open up to Second John or it'll be on the screens if you don't have it or scroll to Second John if you're on the phone, that works just, just great too. We're gonna read the whole thing. It's 13 verses. Uh, you don't have to listen to me. Uh, for too long. Um, one thing that's no surprise, what was a theme we saw in First John? It was said all the time. The four-letter word. Love. love. We talked about love a whole lot. Guess what's going to happen in Second John? It's more love. Spoiler alert. Now, it's only 13 verses, so there will only be so much of love, and we'll get to that later. Um, but in Second John, I'm going to go ahead and read the entirety of, of this letter, which is cool. We don't get to do that very often in church. We were talking recently uh, during our staff meeting how our Uh, the CG that Jared and I used to be in, we sat down and we read a book. And we didn't like, oh, what does this scripture mean? We just sat and read the whole thing as if we were receiving the letter the way church did. It was really cool. We don't get to do it very much, but we get to this morning. Um, So if you will, read along with me. This is 2 John 1 uh, through 13. And it says this. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because the truth that abides in us will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. There it is. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning that we thank you. Love one another. I didn't ask y'all to do it. You weren't prepared. And this is that we walk according to his commandments. This is the great, or this is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked words." Though I have much to write you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy 
may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. I think that's a fun ending. So, so I, what, before we get too much into it, um, I want to talk a little bit about the audience. Did y'all see who this was written to? A lady. What was her name? I don't know. What? I will get to that briefly. We're about to get there. It's interesting. Which which translation are you are you are you reading, Caden? Um, Young's Little Translation. Okay. Yeah. So yes, you, probably not, but yes. <laughs> um, so this is a lady. I love this. Not not often in scripture do, do we see like a religious leader writing a letter to a mom and her kids. I think that was really special. And I, th- I think it's kind of cool that the family minister landed on this. Um, I'm just going to promote, man, I love our families and our families work real hard to love their kids and to love uh, just their spouses and everyone in the household. Sometimes it's real hard. Maybe I'm going to give a little bit of a teaser to people out here. Maybe every once in a while, just write them a letter. Now, you could send them a text. That would work too. Hand them a little letter and say something like Paul's saying here, like, hey, it's so cool watching your kids just love Jesus. That's really exciting. I love watching you serve the church. I think it's cool that John did that and wrote this letter just encouraging this mom and her kids. So if you've got some spare time, maybe write a letter to some families. He did it, and I just think it's cool. And I don't have a lot to teach on it other than that. I think that's a cool practice. If you're wearing, come to church, what could I do for people? Write a letter to a family. Write a letter to a mom. Write a letter to a kid and just say, hey, it's cool watching you love Jesus. So anyway, let's, I, I want to go on from that, but I just love that this, because like a lot of epistles we have in scripture are like, you know, to the church in or to insert some important leader here. And there is an aspect of importance to this lady. It doesn't say to some random lady who I heard about. It says to the elect lady and her children who I love in truth. And not only I, but also everyone who knows the truth. So this is some lady of some importance. What did your, what, what would your translation say her name was? awesome. So um, the uh, Greek word found in text is, is I, I, I studied Hebrew, not Greek, whenever I was in Bible school. Kuria, however you pronounce that. Um, this is the only time it appears in scripture. There are some translations that do view it as her name, but the vast majority don't. And I want to explain a little bit why too, because I think this is just also neat too. Since this is the only time it appears in scripture, the masculine form of this word appears all the time, curios. And whenever that term is used, it's used often for someone who has authority. And it's translated in your, in your text, in your New Testament, if you ever see the word Lord or Master, and it's talking about a person, not Jesus, it's curios. But this is the feminine form, curia, and it's the only time in all of the Bible it's here. So this is clearly a lady. Some say, oh, her name was just that. Like her parents named her that to say, you know, that she is great. And that's a possibility, but the majority see this not as a name, but as a title. The elect lady, the elect leader in her community. Because of this, um, many uh, also assume, not just based off of nothing, but based off of this um, word, that um, she would have been an older lady that's also based on hearing the, her children. Um, it says in verse, oh, where is it? Um, oh, four. That her children are walking in the truth, just as 
uh, we were commanded by the Father. So a lot, of, a lot assume that this is an, an at least older lady whose kids have grown up and who have left the house, and now they're out sharing the gospel after they've exited from under her wing. Um, and that also likely she would have been uh, widowed as well. Um, just since the letter was written to her, we don't see it off in description. There, the assumption is that this would be uh, an older uh, lady who possibly is widowed and her kids have gone on to leave the house. And knowing that setting is going to be important for what uh, John warns her of here in a bit. Um, so it was written to her, this lady. We can call her that. We'll call her Curia, but likely was her title. And then also, uh, and, and her children, um, who, like I said, would have been young adults and are walking in the truth. Um, in that, I also, like I said, I love it. 13, um, you know, some, uh, some Bible tran- translators consider that maybe this was written to, like, the church, using, fem- like, oh, and to the church and their children. But I think it's really confusing in verse 13 when it says, oh, the children of your sister greet you. So it's like, okay, the children of your If we're talking about a church in a feminine form, is that, it doesn't make sense. But what it sounds like is, hey, your nieces and nephews say hi, by the way. And I, I just think that's so neat because it's like, rarely do we get to read scripture as if it were a letter written to us because we're only able to do 10 verses at a time. But this gives us that. So we see an opening where it's like, hey, lady, like, with hey, lady and the kids, hope you're doing good. Oh, your cousins say hi. Like, that's just so cool. I don't know, it's so personal. And I just love that we get to study that together. So that gives us a little bit of setting, understanding who this lady is. She likely would have been a leader in the community, well-respected. Um, so not just some random lady, but the elect lady, uh, also translated like as an, a um, master uh, or lord, uh, a lady with authority. Um, all right, so let's go on to a little bit of what the, the body of this talks about. So we know who he's writing to, but what is he saying to these people? Um, and if we kind of split it up, we see that in verses um, five through six, we get that same theme again. What is it? Love. Thanks from the back. Uh, we get love. No surprise here. Um, but what's interesting for as much of First John talks about love and is very specific in all these details it's pretty straightforward um starting in verse five it says and now i ask you dear lady not as though i were writing you a new commandment but the one we've already had at the beginning that we want that we love one another and how do you show that you love what does he say to do walk in his commandment what's his commandment to love this lady, we can assume, is already doing a splendid job of this in the community. He's not having to go through all these details. Oh, and when you love, make sure you do it this way. And when you love people, make sure it's these groups and these groups and these groups. He's like, oh, I'm, like, I'm not writing you anything new. You know this, love. What's the commandment? Love, just do it. It's really straightforward. So if you are interested, like, hey, what does love talk about? What does that look like in scripture? Um, we, on, on our website, on our YouTube, we have a lot. Uh, the, we have a handful of sermons going through First John. Um, where I think just Corey very uh, wonderfully goes through and explains uh, what uh, John was, how John was telling us to love. Um, so I don't want to reiterate all that and go, oh, like, let me go to John three sixteen. Let's spend a lot of time on this word. I think we've done that already. I think there's something um, very special uh, that's new that John is writing to this, uh, to this woman specifically that I think we can get as well. Um, so in verse 7 through 9, this is where we learn that love is in danger. Verse 7 says this, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, 
those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. What does it say? And I, I, I'm trained in student ministry. Sorry, y'all are going to be responding this whole time. That's how, I, that's how I do this. What does it say that the deceiver does specifically? Yes, by saying, by, by how? Yes. It doesn't say, oh, when they teach, and I don't know if anybody comes from Catholic background or, or what, it's, it's not actually, oh, and that deceiver's gonna teach that the bread and the juice are just bread and juice and not the real body and blood, or oh, it's gonna say, and it's a real body and blood. He's not going through nitpicky here. What is the exact specific thing that, G, that uh, John is warning here? And that is that these deceivers in this group, in this text, are saying that Jesus is not coming back in the flesh. There's a specific nature exactly to what we're going to see the responses, how we respond to these people, is it someone whose goal is to derail the kingdom of God. So y'all thought about me, right, as a Catan player. What did I say the only reason I play the game to do is? Is what? To stop someone from, it's to ruin the game. I play the game to ruin the game. And that's what these people that John is warning about. He's saying, hey, I know you know what love is. You do it, but be careful though because there are people out there who are trying to ruin the game. He's warning of these people who have no interest in their own advancements or their own kingdom's advancement. They just want to derail the kingdom of Jesus. These deceivers here have the same goal uh, that I had. And I think a very interesting word and maybe we're not familiar with this in our background. It says that they are the Antichrist. Would anybody taught a kid that the Antichrist was like a person? Like it was like going to be a person, like Hitler or some huge, like, but he's saying like, no, these people are against Christ. They are directly against me. I just think that's such an interesting word um, to, to describe them as. But I want to use a different word, and I've told a few people, I'm so excited to say this word. These are kingdom thwarters. Thwart, thwarters. Whenever you thwart something, you're just, you're just trying to destroy it. These are kingdom thwarters. Their goal is to derail the kingdom of God. So John's writing this letter to this woman who's a leader in our community, very well known. He's like, not only do I love you, but anyone who knows who Jesus is knows you and loves you. You have a standing in your community. Keep loving like you're doing, but look out. Because there's these people that are trying to derail and thwart the kingdom of God. So what's John's plan? He wants to thwart the thwarters. Everybody say that three times fast. Thwart the thwarters, thwart the thwarters, thwart the um, But like, so we see his response, like, okay, I'm sure the lady's reading this. She's like, oh no, there's deceivers. What, what do I do? John's like, don't worry, I got you. Verses uh, 10 and 11 say, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. I thought we were supposed to love. I can't, I can't even, can't invite them over for dinner. Like they're just, they're lost. They don't know your truth, Jesus. Like I'm just, I'm just inviting them to my house for some dinner. I want them to know. And I think this, this text might potentially be used by some to say like, oh, well, I don't like them because of their insert here. So I'm not going to associate with them, right? Like, like I don't like them because of their culture, of their political background, of their religious background, uh, or because they, 
have a different favorite barbecue joint than me. Like, whatever it is, like, like Paul said, hey, there's people coming to destroy the kingdom of Christ. And, you know, since you don't like Terry Blacks more than Blacks like I do, they're like, oh, well, you're out of the kingdom. I don't have to invite you over uh, for some good barbecue. Uh, but that's not what this passage is saying. Through the context of this story um, and this lady, remember? I said, was she older or younger? older her kids probably out of the house because they're out doing ministry things that are being recognized in the community i don't want to steal from Corey next week but we're going to learn in third john there's this guy gaius is how you pronounce it there's this guy gaius and he is celebrating this were you laughing at me okay that's fine (laughs) there's this guy gaius and it says that he, like, uh, he's being celebrated for welcoming traveling ministers into his home. Like, man, anytime someone comes from out of town, they're preaching the name of Jesus. Like, you feed them, you clothe them, and it's wonderful. And we can assume that this is what this elect lady does as well because she would have some extra space in her house. I doubt she had a four-bedroom, you know, 3,000-square-foot home, but if she's widowed and her kids are in a house, there's probably some extra space. And we can assume here that that is what she is doing as well. See, the purpose of John's directive isn't for her to not welcome people in and love people and to give people meals, but it's specifically not to receive or give any greeting to these kingdom thwarters. This lady was of well-renown in her community. Every Christian around knew her and loved her. So if someone is coming and saying, yeah, Jesus isn't God, they're coming into town and they're like telling people, hey, no, Jesus wasn't God. Go back to your old religions. What would happen to this lady was like, oh yeah, you need a place to sleep? Come stay at my house. Here, look, I'll give you some clothes. I'll give you some food. God told me to love, so I'm gonna love you and I'm going to clothe you. I'm gonna feed you. I'm gonna make sure you're taken care of. What does that do to that person's ministry? It elevates it. She's saying, this is the ministry I support. I support a ministry that says that Jesus isn't God because I wanna make sure that they have the ability to stay here longer and share this longer and longer with our people. See, John's warning isn't to say, love everyone except the people that are different from you. His warning is to say, yeah, love, how do you love? By following the commandment. What's the commandment? To love, just love. But don't support a ministry that is separate to Jesus is Lord. Don't even welcome them in. If you clothe them, if you feed them, you are saying, hey, stay here, keep telling my people this, or keep telling the people of this community that, and he's teaching them. Does this sound a little harsh? kind of does to me. I don't know if anybody in here maybe isn't a Christian, doesn't believe that Jesus is Lord. And maybe I'm saying these things, you're going, crud, this guy like, doesn't even want me over at his house. Like maybe this sounds harsh. And, and I, first thing I want to do is let you know that that's not the case. I'm not saying that I wouldn't love you, that these friends all around me wouldn't love to have you over for community group, have some dinner. But specifically what John is saying is that these people were like me in Catan. They were showing up only to stop the kingdom of Jesus. And what we see in scripture is that Jesus is love, but Jesus is also our protector. I want us to look at Matthew 18. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Matthew 18. Uh, We see a story where Jesus talks about how he is a protector. And he gets pretty intense with this as well. So we're going to read verses 1 through uh, 9. And in Matthew chapter 18, um, we get this story and the disciples are coming to Jesus and they're kind of arguing and talking. 
and they, they say this. Uh, verse one, at the time the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put them in the midst of them. And he said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I could give you a whole different sermon on that, but I want to focus on the next part. Number five says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it'd be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. That's Jesus. That's not John talking. That's not Paul talking. That's not Moses in the Old Testament talking. That is God in flesh saying, whoever leads a child to sin, it'd be better if instead of continuing to do that, they had a rope tied around their neck and were drowned into the sea. That's intense. That's Jesus. Like that, that, I, th- that passage is just honestly pretty wild to me. But Jesus takes his protection very seriously. And if you hear that once again, I hope you don't hear that going, oh man, well maybe Jesus is hateful towards me or Jesus wants to separate me. No, what, what this means is that the love of God is so perfect for you that he would do anything to protect and to save you. And that if anyone is coming to you trying to cause harm and trying to separate you from his kingdom, he's not having it. And don't support him. Don't welcome him in. Don't eat. With, don't let, yeah. Um, and then it continues on and he separates from this idea of a kid and it being outward. But then he goes inward. And he says in verse seven, woe to the world for temptations to sin. For it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, what do you do? Cut it off. Throw it in a fire. Get rid of it. It'd be better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet and be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. Throw it away. For it is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. See, being physically complete was really important to them in culture back then. They thought that if, if, if you were crippled or if there were things wrong with you, then there was something wrong with your relationship and with God. And Jesus was like, no. Like, if your hands are causing you to sin, cut them off, get rid of them. It'd be better to be in heaven with no hands than in hell with both your hands. That's his commandment here. Jesus takes so seriously the protection of his kingdom. And his kingdom is a kingdom of love. Psalm 23, if you're familiar with it, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What is it that he protects and comforts you with? Does anybody know that scripture? Rod and staff. So in that text, when he's talking about a shepherd, um, the staff, two-ended little hook, you know, Bo Peep, is that her name? It's got a little hook on top and it's got a little straight stick on the bottom. The hook was to be like, oh, hey, come here. I'm comforting you. Don't, don't wander off the path. Stay with me. The other side was to smack wolves upside the head. Jesus is not just love. In order to be loving, he has to be protective. And anything against his kingdom, he is coming to protect. One last uh, uh, story in Luke, and you can find this throughout multiple of the Gospels. Uh, it's right before John. I went too far. In Luke uh, chapter 8, verses 30 through 33. There's a story where Jesus and his disciples get off the boat and they land on shore. And as soon as they do that, we get this encounter. 
with Jesus and this demon-possessed man. This man has been outcasted from the community and is living in the graveyards. And starting in verse 30 of John 8, uh, or I'm sorry, of Luke 8, says that Jesus then asked him, this demon-possessed man, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons have entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man, entered the pigs, herd rushed down the hill to the steep of the bank, into the lake, and drowned. And these demons came up to Jesus, and they said, please don't send us back into the abyss. Please don't do it. And Jesus goes, actually, I won't. Don't worry about it. Let me feed you. Let me convert you. Let me show you the love of Jesus, man. Let me show you who I am. Let me heal you, demons. Let you be angels again. That wasn't his ministry to, the, to, to this man. It wasn't just like, oh, yes, let me, demons, let me take you out of the man. Man, you're healed. Guess what? Demons, you're healed too. You're on my team. Go help the boys upstairs. That wasn't his ministry. This man, that's his creation. His ministry of love was to the man who was possessed. And in order to love that man, he had to protect from the things causing the man harm. I want to go outside of scripture. I hope y'all are okay with that. <laughs> I want to... This is, this is just to amplify, right? It's not needed, but it's just going to amplify, just like the tracks, right? Um, y'all, my favorite book of all time outside of this is Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. It's a kid's book, but oh my gosh, it is beautiful. Um, I remember uh, with our last foster placement, my wife and I were reading. We didn't tell them it was a book about Jesus, right? We were reading it, and we get to the part, spoiler alert, where Aslan has been killed, and I'm weeping while I read it. And my kids were like, chill it's just a lion and I was like no it's not <laughs> but I love it it's so beautifully written and there's this interaction of Tumnus which is a half goat half person but the feet are a goat and the horns are a goat I don't know it's weird that it's like both the feet and whatever but he's he's a little goat humanoid thing and this girl Lucy right no it's a little girl is it Lucy okay yeah make sure I had that right and uh, there's this interaction where he's explaining who Aslan is. Aslan is this lion. He is the Jesus figure. And I'm going to read this whole uh, excerpt of this because I just love it. Well, no, I'm not. No, it's way too much. Yeah, it's a lot longer than I thought it was. Um, so anyway, he explains that uh, Aslan has come to save Narnia from this witch. Narnia being Earth, the witch being Satan and how he's going to overcome her and, and bring his kingdom and everything's going to be made right again. And he sings this little song um, that says, Wrong will be right when Aslan comes to sight. At the sound of his roar, sorrows will be no more. When he bears his teeth, winter meets its death. And when he shakes his mane, we shall have spring again. And he says, he ends the song, and he says, you'll understand when you see him. She says, but shall we see him? This is Susan. It wasn't, it wasn't a little one. Uh, Why, daughter of Eve, that's what I brought you here for. I'm to lead you to where you shall meet him, said Mr. Beaver. Oh, this isn't the beaver. Man, I've got this story all wrong. <laughs> Jeez, I'll, just, I'll stop. Oh, no, here's Lucy. Is he a man, asked Lucy. Aslan, a man? Mr. Beaver said sternly, certainly not. I tell you, he is the king of the wood and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know 
who is the king of beasts? Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall neither, I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and no mistake, said Mr. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Well, safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Miss Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe, but he is good. He's the king, I tell you. Man, I love what C.S. Lewis did there to, to explain what, what John is telling here to this woman. And what we see throughout these other texts is that yes, God is good. He is the kingdom of love. We're not throwing out the rest of text that tells Christians to love whenever we read this. But instead, we're getting even more truth to what that means. Jesus is saying, yeah, I am a kingdom of love and there are those coming to stop that kingdom. So the loving thing to do to make sure that love can spread to all people is you've got to cut them out. You can't support a ministry of one that separates us from God. Jesus is our protector and God is not being harsh or hateful in his isolation of those who are actively coming to thwart his kingdom. That's just his love and action through protection. So on end, kind of with this, this isn't a super long book. I'm not, I don't know, have I been going for a long time? Yeah, 30-ish minutes, I think that's good. I want to end with this and, and, and both the one first part is encouragement to everyone in this room. If you're in a place where you feel like, man, darkness is attacking you, maybe specific people are bringing thoughts or ideas in your mind um, that Jesus isn't Lord, is that throughout the entirety of Scripture, um, we see where Jesus is a protector. He's not just, uh, as one of my favorite rappers, KB, says, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. He's a lion. He's good. He's here to protect you, but that doesn't mean he's safe to those who are trying to stop his kingdom. Jesus is here to fight for you. If you're in the room and you don't believe in Jesus and you don't hear him as Lord, God's not saying here, or we're not learning through our scripture here that God is like, ah, have nothing to do with them. Send them out of church, run them out of the building. That's not what this is. No, God is a kingdom of love and he wants that for you. Here today, right now, to experience his kingdom and love. He's just here to protect us. Guys, I haven't played Catan in years. You know why? I stopped getting invited. Yeah. Wait, would you say I don't have friends? Lord, you just say I don't have any friends? No one wants to play with me. No one wants to play Catan with a guy like me. My friends got smart. They kicked me out of their Catan circles. And I guess we're kind of past that phase. I don't know as many people that play Catan anymore. That was like 10 years ago. But, but I stopped being invited. So the second part I want to encourage you is, is in your life, do you live in the kingdom of love and do you protect that kingdom? So if you're, if you're not one of the first group and you're one of the second group, you're like, yeah, no, I believe in Jesus. I love him. He's my Lord and Savior. Do you live in his kingdom of love as simply as this, as this elect lady knew where it was like, oh yeah, you just love and what's the commandment? You love. Do you live in that kingdom of love and do you also protect those around you who are at harm's sake from the kingdom thwarters? here to just take away from us. You gotta love, period, while always remaining on guard against those who are teaching 
opposite of Jesus as Savior. God is our protector, and we must also do the same for those around us. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.